1: Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson.
2: To quote data, I am still processing.
1: Alan Siler, Is it not the Romulan way to
3: attack when we are given the advantage like this? And Veronica Daschle.
0: Hi.
2: I love it. (laughs) What a great counter, Veronica.
1: (laughs) And we are foregoing everything else today and going straight into Strange New Worlds. So spoilers for the entire series of Strange New Worlds up to the season one finale. And this episode uh, left me reeling this morning. There's a lot to it, in part because it's the you get the season finale for this Mm -hmm. new Star Trek series. But also they're revisiting an episode that I've loved for, I mean, almost literally my entire life. So all, it's coming at you like it's just like b- brain overload this morning watching this episode. Yeah, no doubt.
0: I was asleep.
3: There is an awful lot to unpack. Yes. In this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Veronica, when did you see it?
0: I did. We watched it when I got back from, from work this afternoon. But this oh, morning, okay. Chuck got up and was like, you know watch Star Trek. And I'm like, no. And I rolled over. and <laughs> I was asleep.
1: Yeah, I would have <laughs> to just leave all my computer off, phones off. There's no way I'm going to make it through a day of being on the internet and not get sold for this. So I'm like, okay, I'm watching anyway. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah.
3: So the one time that you decide to sleep in and not watch it with Chuck (laughs) is the season finale. (laughs) Yes. I see how it is.
0: I was tired. I had to work.
3: Well, what do we think? Any opinions? Keith, go ahead. Unload it on us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm still processing. I like. Too late. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Time's up, man.
0: Okay. I have, I have one thing, one observation that I had that I'm going to say, uh, at first since uh someone else is probably going to say it i really enjoyed ethan peck's spock of 7 years in the future and how there was a very clear character difference between mm-hmm. spock of the strange new worlds time and spock of the 7 years in the future i thought that was really
4: mm.
2: great okay yeah that's true yeah good point keith um i like it i enjoyed it okay uh i was i guess i'll say maybe i was I was completely surprised by how Kirk was brought in. Mm. Um, I don't love the actor as Kirk and I'm not, it's yeah. not a criticism. He just, I didn't catch the essence of Kirk from him for some reason. Um, I think I liked it overall though. Um, I'm just, I'm really asking. make it about it. It's weird for me. to <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Okay.
0: So I have another funny story. So this entire time I, uh-huh. I thought he was playing both James T. Kirk and Sam Kirk. Really? I didn't realize they were actually different people because, <laughs> wow. because in the, in the, in that's the original awesome. series, it's, it's, um, William Shatner Chandler. with yeah. the mustache on. So right. I figured it was mustache. the guy with the mustache on and I can't remember his name, which is, I really feel really terrible about. Cause I watched him in the vampire diaries, Paul Wesley, Paul Wesley.
1: Yeah. And yeah, this, we're watching it this evening and she said, I like him better as Kirk. I was like, that's not the same
0: guy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's not him in a mustache playing Sam Kirk
3: a whole different dude <laughs>
2: yeah
0: but that it's was nice
3: that they the captured the familial yeah. you know uh resemblance
0: yes well, well also i had just assumed that he was also playing sam so <laughs> it's hard and i can't recognize people if they change their hair much less also put a mustache on them so you know so Clark Kent just
1: gets right by you every time.
0: See, I can I can figure out the glasses. It's the oh, hair, I it's, see. The, it's the hair and the facial hair. I was gonna say no spoiler
1: for Superman.
0: <laughs> that's
2: oh awesome. my gosh.
1: That's funny.
2: Veronica, they do give him a really crappy cheesy mustache. Yeah, they of, did. To mm-hmm. your point. Because what a mustache they gave that guy.
1: <laughs> On Kirk, I'll say that I really appreciate the way they're writing him. Uh-huh. I like that Kirk's not a hothead he's not running around trying to assume command he's not being disrespectful he, he's not basically he's not the 2009 kirk yeah. and i like that he's not hitting yeah. on women in the in the hallways he's just very professional and right. he's i mean he's kind of grim and this is a, they pointed out in the ready room that this is a kirk that hasn't had the experiences of being on mm-hmm. the enterprise and knowing spock mm-hmm. and bones and all this stuff um now in the ready room they described him as being a hothead and described him as being arrogant but i didn't get that from the episode at all i thought no. he was very professional guy. I don't I don't really see that at all. Yeah in, in this well, at least in this one episode.
4: Right.
2: But they were they were, but you know, I think they I think that's what they tried, but maybe it didn't come off well because even at the end, they the whole conversation where Kirk was basically saying, you know, he was based, they were basically coming from two different points where Kirk was basically saying you need to go in and fight sometimes. And Pike was basically saying, Well, and Kirk was basically telling Pike your the diplomatic approach was disastrous. So they were trying to make him the, the dialogue. Made Kirk seem like a hothead, but to mm. you, what you guys are saying, his performance didn't really come off like a hothead to me. Um, I saw literally two different captains who kind of had a slightly different appearance, but I didn't see a hothead.
3: Right. I didn't well, see that. And the, the ready room episode was mm-hmm. uh, just recently shot as they're wrapping up production on season two. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, Kirk is going to be in season two because we have seen right. him on location shoots mm-hmm which yep. uh, none of the, all of this was in studio. So you, maybe they're describing what they know based on two seasons of this character, rather than what we've only seen as one episode of this game. That's true. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's true.
1: One touch that I really liked was that he, he challenged Pike on Pike hesitating to fire. Yeah. Which if you remember right. an obsession, when Kirk was a Lieutenant, he hesitated to fire at the Iconium cloud creature. And yeah. he has right. have blamed himself for, years thinking that all these people on the Farragut died because of his hesitation. So yeah. I love that they wove that into this story. It can't be a coincidence that the oh, thing that he yeah. came to Pike at was that you flinched, you hesitated mm-hmm. to fire and look what happened. You right. know, I, I love that they sort of ah. weave that backstory in. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, interesting observation. I hadn't thought about that. The parallels.
3: Okay. So let's, let's back up a little bit and just say that this new episode is basically a, a whole new retelling of the original series episode "Balance of Terror." Mm-hmm. So, I, th- what did you think of the way that they presented it? The parallels between the two, the dialogue similarities between the two, you know, and how differently they diverged toward the end. How what how, were they successful? Is what I'm trying to say.
0: So, I have very little memory of "Balance of Terror." <laughs> um. But as they, as I was watching the ready room and I was seeing a couple of clips on there, I do remember watching it. So I don't know if it's saying anything, that uh, I didn't connect them. <laughs> I mean, I probably would have if I had watched it beforehand, which yeah. I probably should have, but right. I didn't. So,
3: well, and that, that's a good point, too, because uh, I've been watching through this season with my partner and he's a little bit behind, but he's never seen the original series so he's never mm-hmm. seen balance of terror and so i've been trying to evaluate like in my own head is he going to get this episode is it going to make sense is yeah. he going to have lost you know something having not had that familiarity with the original or can it stand alone and i i don't know because i'm so incredibly familiar with right. balance of terror yeah. That, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how he'll see it. You know? I think
0: it I think it stood alone just perfectly fine. Like I okay. I could tell that there was things that they were doing, but they were very clearly from the original episode. And I knew it was balance of terror because I live with Chuck. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> um... <It's come> up.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I really enjoyed the episode as a whole.
2: Okay. I think having seen Balance of Terror like you guys a bazillion times. Then it's funny when he first showed up in a timeline and it it played in some strange ways like a Twilight Zone episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Veronica made a very good point about how Spock was much more serious, but even Ortegas and stuff, they were all acting weird in a way. So almost to me, it almost came off like he was in a dream world or something Mm -hmm. for a minute. And Mm so the first part of the retelling of Balance of Terror even though it was nowhere near as good dramatically and what could be, I, right. it worked for me. Yeah. I think toward the end with all the conversation and what happened to the captain and the praetor coming up, I kind of lost it at that point. It's not, not that it was bad, but the dramatic effect actually didn't hold me as well. And honestly, what may have pulled me out was Kirk showing up because I was looking at it and I thought this could still be a great story with Pike having made a different decision without Kirk and showing up on his ship. And I think that actually distracted me. It felt like for me, it was a little bit too, it was a little bit too much packed into it. I think it would have been better without Kirk showing up, but that may be a prejudice against me and Kirk in the series also. Yeah. Well, so for for me, see, I, I was thinking if you're
3: going Mm -hmm. to find a way to shoehorn Kirk into this series, this (laughs) is the way to do it. I I really liked it. the way they used it. put them down the timeline to show that sort of compare contrast between Pike and and Kirk. And I really liked seeing a story that we're very familiar with told in a different way because of different personality, different command styles and different decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I'm really confused about is how they're going to continue to work Kirk into it. I mean, I'm assuming that next season we'll see him as a younger character seven years prior. He won't be Mm -hmm. a captain of anything you know so i don't know i just don't know how they're get- if this was a one-off with kirk i would be totally fine
2: with it mm-hmm. alan 100 100 i on board with you i thought the same thing and again again i'm you know my my personal prejudices will continue to be i just <laughs> don't think we need kirk in this series i just yeah. don't uh, I, and i know that i know either one of huge, them <laughs> Agreed. i know there's a huge temptation and they will like i've always said about the abrams movies, it will still be good because I like all yep. three Abrams movies, but it will never be what I wished it could have been. And so I do not want to see Kirk again. But I agree with you. If it was a one-off, it would be great. I have a question for y'all when you got me thinking about this now. Do you think it's fair to say that if Pike had handled this situation, it would have been an utter failure? Does that mm-hmm. does that do you really think that Pike would not have fired? Does that does that make him the wrong captain for the wrong moment? Because I can yeah. see Jean-Luc maybe doing that at the time. Is that a fair assessment of Pike? I think so. I yeah.
0: I think he's mm. more of a diplomat than Kirk is. Kirk is more likely to um more likely to leap into action qu- mm-hmm. quicker than Pike is. Um Kirk can be diplomatic as well, but he's still more likely to leap into action whereas Pike is willing to give the benefit of the doubt a lot of the time.
1: Interesting. I thought this it was, was a, a pretty ballsy move to have really? I mean basically this episode is Pike has to accept his fate because if he was the captain during the original series, we'd all be doomed. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Like, that's huge. And that's like, huge. Like, that is huge. I'm not, for, yeah. for being the star of the show. Like right. You wouldn't yeah. expect if, like, if, if Picard went back in time and relives an episode that like now we're all doomed because he made the wrong choices. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so.
3: It's, so does this undermine Pike? I think in the, so. in the eyes of the audience. I mean, doesn't it say Pike is a great captain,
1: but he's no James T. Kirk.
0: I don't I don't think so. I think it was he's the wrong captain for this moment.
1: Which made me I, think of Edith mm. Keeler when they said mm-hmm. that she was right yeah. but at the wrong time. Yeah. That Edith Keeler <laughs> was pushing for peace and the Nazis won because of it because she delayed the yeah. US's entry into World War II. It's kind of like at the same time that you didn't need a captain like Pike in this instance, you needed a captain like Kirk. Mm. Uh because Pike was was trying for peace and it didn't work out. Yeah. That's a very good point.
2: You know, Alan, I think I think it does undermine Pike for me, but i tell you the reason why it undermines Pike. It goes back to why I didn't like Kirk in it. It undermines Pike because they kind of said, like you guys were saying, even though they didn't show it, they seem to be saying Kirk was a hothead, but that was the right thing at the right time, and Pike wasn't. And to me, it's almost like saying Pike is too passive, Kirk is, and Kirk was actually too aggressive, but this time his over-aggressiveness worked. And I tend to think that Pike could have made it work as well. So I... I'm not making sense because I am. Like I said, I keep processing it. He's still processing. (laughs) Yeah, to me, to me, to me, it undermined Pike. I didn't, I didn't like the way it made Pike come off. I didn't like that. And again, if they could have found a way to do it without bringing Kirk in, but but to bring Kirk in and then contrast him with Pike, when Mm. I already didn't need to see Kirk, and now say, well, Kirk was the right guy at this time, I do think it undermines Pike. So I didn't like it.
1: Hmm.
2: For all that I like Pike
1: yeah a few episodes ago we were uh in the episode with the kid and uh, the kid the torture machine yeah yeah and we and we were all saying that if kirk was there he would have saved that kid yeah yeah you know pike yeah. did not but kirk did and that it made me think of that tonight too <laughs> that, um that it, i mean there, there is a difference between those two characters yeah you know that i don't i mean i'm not necessarily saying that kirk is a better captain than pike but
2: he is uh, <laughs> okay well then <laughs> <laughs> and see, that's what we get into, Alan and Charles. I don't know if you guys remember because this, it was a book I read, and it was one of the official maybe books, maybe an Alan Dean Foster book, and it might even been from, um, gosh, the Voyage Home. No, the Search for Spock books. But I remember clearly reading a Star Trek book where they said that Kirk was from a class where they had intentionally been chosen, not so much for their intelligence, even though Kirk was borderline genius. But because they had a different attitude and what they had said was Starfleet had been losing too many starships and too many captains before Kirk. And so they actually looked for the cowboy type, Mm -hmm. the, the aggressive type, which is what Kirk was. So Maybe they're trying to say that was it. That's from the the, the novelization of Star
1: Trek: The Motion Picture.
2: That's it. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. But yeah. I but see, but even with that, I never really thought that meant that Pike was one of those who might not have been the right guy at the right time. I think this is my personal thought, and I agree with you, Charles. I think it's a, it's an it's an it's a gutsy move, but at the same time, in one season where you're making me like Pike, I have a little bit of a problem with you showing me that Pike wasn't the right guy at the right time. It's not like he was a coward or anything like that. And it wasn't even that uh, he made, he was doing what you know, he was being a diplomat, but I just don't think I like that portrayal of this guy that you're trying to make me like in this series. I think
1: what it comes down to is that, I mean, Pike's arc this season has been about his future. He, he found out about his future. And then in this episode, yeah. he comes to the point where he's ready to try to subvert his own future. Yeah. Right. But yeah. it really is. And what it comes down to is, it's a time to step aside. Yeah. You know, that he, he have his time. He needs to accept his own fate and let someone else take the reins and it's going to be okay. And then yeah. I think he comes to that in this episode where he's, he's ready to come to peace with the fact that he's not going to be the captain of the enterprise forever. Yeah. You know, that there, there does come a time when you're not the man for the job anymore.
2: Interesting. Did, did we ever sound, see Kurt? <laughs> no, I'm not. And I'm not. And it it's, it, it, this is one, this is one of these times I am really coming down to just personal preferences. Yeah. Um, I personally, I just, I never, if I never saw Kirk in the series, other than the day he took over the command enterprise, I'd be happy. Mm. And I personally completely dislike the fact that Pac, Pike knows this future, which is the central tenet of this entire series. We know Keith. Just, knows. Just, <laughs> and, so, and so everything that comes from that is, is giving me a hard time. It's like you bake a dish with an ingredient you don't like, like if you serve me something with goat cheese, I'm going to hate the whole dish because I can't stand goat <laughs> cheese. So this is goat cheese to but me. But goat
0: cheese with blueberries. Mm.
2: <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs>
3: Random sidebar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but
2: even if I was okay with Kirk and even if I was okay with Pike knowing his future, Alan, per your question, I still kind of sort of feel like Pike was undermined in this, mm. in the show. And I have yeah. a little bit of a trouble with that. I'm, I'm struggling with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it,
1: I think part of that too is just playing with a prequel format. Because we all yeah. know that he's not the captain of the Enterprise. He's the captain before mm-hmm. the captain of the Enterprise. He has been my right. entire life. Yeah. So right. I think they're they're also had just having some fun with that and using that and giving Pike more of a more of an agency in his own fate. Yeah. Than he had previously.
2: I will say this: for all that I will continue to struggle with their decisions, I dislike the decisions in Strange New World much less than I've disliked the decisions in Discovery and Picard. No good. So I have no problem. Like I, I, the bottom line, I really enjoy this series, and I'm yeah. okay with that. You know, yeah. it's like like what you guys are saying is I am constantly struggling against a prejudice, but I still enjoy it despite that. And there's right. many times in the other shows, I I'm like I just don't like this at all. So <laughs> that's actually okay. I'm o- I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, because they have such good actors. Um, I got a real quick question based again on what Veronica said then. I had written down that everybody, Ortegas and Spock and everybody, they were acting almost strangely. Yeah. Is that because, is it because one, Spock was more logical? Is it also because what? Were they supposed to be more bitter, more more calloused? What was going on? They just say, like, Ortegas was super angry and stuff. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out what was the difference in how everybody was acting. Uhura was acting the weirder and different. What was that about?
1: I was listening to an interview with Melissa Navia today on the mm. Women at Warp podcast, mm-hmm. and she said that um, with it being in the future, they were sort of showing that she's been through some things, and okay. she's been the jokester on the show, yeah, and now boy. she's at a point in her life where it's not funny anymore.
0: Yeah. So she sort uh, okay.
1: of. So like, that's sort of the contrast: is that the future Ortegas is bitter. I my first viewing, I thought they were just sort of shoehorning her into the Styles role. That which yeah, I they, thought didn't fit at right. all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm okay with it. I didn't think that it suited her that well, but it was kind of like you said. It's kind of out of left field because you never really it given was. a reason for why she's why why is she baited against the Romulans specifically? Yeah. Why is she exactly. bitter in general?
3: I mean, right. at least with Styles, you had a reason, right? Right, he had a prejudice right. against the Romulans, beat mm-hmm. for a specific reason, right? And it's interesting that if they're doing a a sort of retelling of this episode. That they mm-hmm. went, to, you know, to the extreme—not extreme, but they went, you know, to the full effort of having somebody in that Styles role. Mm-hmm. Even even though you could have told this episode in a new way without that Styles element, and they they, they put her, and to the point of her, you know, ops and con being swapped in right. their seating arrangement because that's where Styles sat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they stopped very very short of having to have the bigotry conversation that Kirk calls him out on the bridge for. Yeah. Right. Even though, even though in the, in the briefing, she does, you know, say, you know, we have to talk about the pointy eared elephant in the room, Mm -hmm. which is a racial slur. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I don't know. It just seemed weird that she goes from, you know, last week. Okay. It is seven years difference, but, For us as viewers, it's one week. Last week, she was the jokester. This Mm -hmm. week, she's like throwing racial slurs around. Right.
2: Yeah, I didn't think that worked either. I agree with you. I I thought that was was a little out of left field. And that's why as the show went on, it worked less for me. I didn't dislike it. But as those little things crept into it, it worked less for me. At the beginning, when they were doing it word for word, Again, yeah. it will never match the original, but I, I I just live hearing the things again like Enterprise, we're a mile deep on an asteroid mm-hmm. of almost solid <laughs> iron. I, I did kind of like that. Yeah, some
3: yeah. I mean, a lot of that was like word for word yeah. dialogue from the original. And what I thought was kind of an interesting thing, um, the the we we had already met that character at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. His surname is Al Salah, mm-hmm. And when we f- find him on the asteroid being, you know, pulverized by the Romulans, we find out that his first name is Hansen, mm-hmm. which is the surname of the person in Balance of Terror that was on the asteroid.
1: Right. And in Balance of Terror, we've always taken it as his surname, but he never calls him that's true. Commander that's Hansen, he just calls him true. Hansen. That's but you true. want to hear something trippy? The, 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 the tw- in the Twilight episode, A Quality of Mercy, Leonard Nimoy plays a character named Hansen. Oh, <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> wow, it all
2: ties together, man. Oh. I will say I found it interesting that despite the improvement in special effects, I think the look of the original Balance of Terror was better than this Dude, one, but of course... That's what i was like, saying
1: as well. I, I think that the quality of the sets and the costuming uh-huh. is a lot, more, a lot more detailed now, but on yeah. The Ready Room they were doing a little featurette where they were, they were intercutting between the same mm-hmm. lines and scenes. Actual mm-hmm. Veronica Cause they don't need to cut back and forth like that. That doesn't look good for them because the, the, <laughs> the, the, the acting is just, I mean, to me, yeah. it's just such a higher quality. I mean, you're going to cut Absolutely. between Leonard Nimoy and one of the classic episodes versus Ethan Peck. That's not fair to Ethan Peck. No, same I agree same with the guy playing Hanson. I mean, that guy, even yeah. the random guy playing Hanson in the original episode is just giving it at us all. But
3: also, I want to say the guy playing the Romulan commander is no contest compared to Mark Leonard. That is true. I mean, part of that is in the writing, because in Balance of Terror, so much time is spent with the Romulans, with their point of view, with showing them that they are individual characters that they have their own individual motivations, that there's this parallel between the Romulan commander and Kirk. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you lose all of that in this episode, but even the scenes that are the same, even the ones that are sort of parallel uh, of the commander himself. I mean, okay. First of all, I have to say that the first time he came on screen, I was like, that's the alien dude from galaxy quest.
0: <laughs> right? I thought he was, <laughs> like, okay. So He's I thought
4: I start talking like- <laughs>
3: yeah. And I was like, holy shit, this is not good. And,
0: I didn't recognize him. The okay. So- the more it
3: went, the more it went, the more I was like, this guy is. I mean, I hate to you know, you know, undercut some guy's career, but he is no Mark Leonard. Yeah. So- Mark Leonard brought that character to life. Yeah.
0: So the guy that was in Galaxy Quest, he played the dad on Veronica Mars. And the That's entire right. time I was watching this, I was like why does that look so much like Veronica Mars's dad? It, it wasn't young? him. No, it wasn't. It was guy. not him. It was okay. not him. But I was having the same thought of the person. I was just putting right. in a different context. I thought sure. they missed
1: a trick <laughs> by not bringing James Frayne in. And yeah, that would have been fun. But then also the guy who played the lieutenant, whose name was Decius in Balance of Terror, yeah. is yeah. the same guy who played Stan. So you could have had the exactly. same actors who played Sarah and Stan yeah. for no reason, just because it's funny. You could have had them both on there.
2: And that guy who played Ston, uh to what Chuck is saying, that was the guy that when there was contract negotiations with Leonard Nimoy, they were threatening to make him the new Vulcan on the Enterprise when they thought that Leonard Nimoy was going to leave. Yeah. yeah, I think what y'all are saying, I agree with. And I think there was two things, Charles. One, yeah, I thought that... Um, this episode was much faster paced than the original Balance oh, yeah. of Terror. And sure, one yeah. of that might be their modern writing, but two, again, you know, dead horse. Maybe because they had to cram in the extra storyline with Kirk. They didn't mm-hmm. have as much time to tell a story. But I noticed, and this is so weird, and this is like you said, if you're somebody like Veronica who doesn't remember you've never seen it, you're not going to notice this. But even when they fired the first plasma weapon, you know, since I've seen it, I'm like, no, it's supposed to take a really long time, and it builds. <laughs> you remember that? It right. builds. It's and suspense. they had to yeah and there was the whole thing i mean it took so long that yeoman Rand was literally talking about the jettisoning thing and it was it was a little fast for me and i also thought like, like you guys are saying i didn't think any of the acting was of the same quality from decius to um the commander it wasn't the same quality as the original and i do think also they were they were going a little too fast it didn't have time to sink in like it should have
3: yeah even even the delivery of in, of specific lines was quicker than Mm -hmm. but you know in the original they're when they're being fired at but the plasma weapon they are trying to outrun it right oh yeah so they're they're like they're like hightailing it the opposite direction and the thing is gradually like overtaking right Mm -hmm. so there is that lengthier bit of it but that's how they discover that it dissipates with distance Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. there isn't and this one they're just like next door to each other right like throwing a rock from one house to another but somehow <laughs> the, the the rock dissipates before it hits the it yeah. just didn't have the same weight exactly
0: mm-hmm. as i can see other. that yeah. yeah it
2: did not and then bringing in a, and, and i have often complained about um the new trek people they they they're just a little heavy-handed for me it's like they they, they shovel in a little too much emotion so by yeah. the time they start bringing in was it was she the praetor yeah the praetor, praetor yeah uh, we didn't need the praetor on top of everything else. So I, I felt, I felt like What they tend to do is they overstack a little bit too much stuff to get the emotional um, effect. See, I and disagree so with that because the whole it.
3: point is that this is leading up to a declaration of war. That mm. Kirk, uh, Pike being on the bridge instead of Kirk is is what leads everything to go to hell. Basically, I think
2: by the end, it was too much for me. But um, yeah. I hadn't thought about it like that. I guess. Uh, yeah it it was a little too much for me so the more it went on the less I liked it but again I didn't dislike it which is weird right that that
1: scene with the Praetor warps in with the fleet made me think of Picard season one it did me too Commodore O um, yeah which is not a scene that I I loved so uh, I liked that Kirk even in this and I'm looking at it as a vision of the future. I'm not looking at it, so I, I don't right. mind if things are a little a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. It's like you mm-hmm. said, it's more like a Twilight Zone episode. He's having a vision from this thing of yeah. something that can happen. So yeah. yeah, I love that even in this scenario. Kirk came up with a counter to it and they, they'd already introduced this idea of the robotic ships. And so he came in with this, his own fleet just, he's like, we'll just bluff them. They don't know what our ships look like. And I was like, that's Kirk. you know, that's, that's something Kirk would do. It's like, (laughs) you know, it's this fleet against fleet action. We're on the um, verge of galactic war. Uh, (laughs) It's like a card game. You know, they don't know your hand bluff them. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. I will say that scene,
3: the one thing that I really miss from the original series is the sound of the photon torpedo. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And the, the new sound effects are fine. They're just don't, they're just not as cool as the original ones.
1: They also had the pew pew phasers instead of the beam phasers, and I don't yeah. really care for the you know, I like same, the same uh, here. I thought yeah. the
2: same thing with the ramen thing. Yeah, right. I don't think I don't think I think it's amazing that decades later it didn't look as good as the original from yeah. you know, decades ago there's a scene in the
3: original it's toward the end and they're, they're basically doing the silent running thing Mm -hmm. and the whole bridge is dark and they're Mm -hmm. sort of illuminated Mm -hmm. in this like red lighting from behind. And that's the kind of thing that they like never did on the original series. And it just looks so great. Mm. And you just don't
1: get that in the new one. I mean, even though the new one looks great. I mean, it does, but they color correct everything to be so dark now.
0: Yeah. Like you put oh, a, a
1: screen cap side by side and it's like one's daytime and one's time, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and
0: I know they were trying to do some of the similar lighting. Yeah. They're trying to do some of the dramatic it, but- like
1: swaths of light across the face and stuff like that. Oh,
3: I did see that when, yeah. um, when they first see the Romulan on the view screen and Erica turns around to look at Spock and they did that thing where the, the beam of light sort of like highlights her eyes mm-hmm. the way they always used to do with Kirk. Oh my <laughs> God. That was hilarious.
1: Yeah, I mean, but it's like, 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 like I'll say when we we're watching this, like putting them side by side isn't really fair because it's yeah, yeah, one's a classic TV episode that people have known their entire lives. It's like doing a remake of Casablanca and then putting them side by side, you know, like it's right. or even no, like yeah. when they when they did that shot for shot remake of Psycho and then it was sucked, you know, like it's not <laughs> because of lack of talent, it's just that it, there's a magic to something that people exactly remember all right. the time, you know, that you can't <laughs> really recreate.
2: We got out um, a list the day the Earth stood still. Sucks. Yeah, like to the there's there's
1: just something about the original thing that that, that yeah. made people remember it for 55 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um, but I, I thought this was a good episode, though. I I really enjoyed it. I like the future pipe and the variation on the uh the movie uniform. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I thought that was cool when he that showed that was up. very cool. Yep. What do we think about the little? It, I would I hesitate to even call it a cliffhanger because the episode didn't really build to it. But the the little um, there was yeah, a
0: little hints about the little it, thing was at the happen. there
1: was, but it wasn't like. It wasn't like the episode has been building and then it just stops and leaves you on a cliffhanger. It was right. like, and now here's here's something
2: for season two. But what do we think about that? I didn't care for it in light of the 40 or gosh, this is more an hour to write. This it was an was hour. Time. It was like an yeah. hour,
3: one hour, two, yeah. something like that. Yeah.
2: yeah. I didn't think that as the seri- season cliffhanger worked. I would have gone out, honestly, on just more the contemplative note of what you and Alan and, and Veronica are talking about, which is Pike really coming to terms with his future yeah. yeah i would have ended it there other than mm-hmm. this because you said this was left field and it's also not so exciting i'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god what's going to happen to her that kind of thing so i wouldn't have I, I again didn't dislike it but it wouldn't have been my choice to end it i would have ended it with the entire the main story that this whole show was built around i'll tell you why it didn't work because just like him or we didn't
3: see enough of her this season right yeah and you know yeah, uh, Like four or five episodes ago, we were talking about her being sidelined. And I was like, exactly. no, I don't think she was sidelined. But I <laughs> fucking do now. She wasn't even I'm sorry. in this <laughs> one. I'm sorry. Right. I mean, the one where she's the cliffhanger, you don't even see her for yeah. 90% exactly. of the episode. Exactly. And so I think it didn't care, even though you were told. You're at right. the begin- and, you know, midway through the episode when La'an shows up and she's like, well, you remember seven years ago when, you know, she was arrested and blah, blah, blah. And know it was Spock who said that to him mm-hmm. in the ready room. Mm-hmm. Um, so you knew it was coming. You knew that was going to happen, but you didn't know it would be at the end of this episode. And then, so you were kind of like set up for it, but without having seen her for, I would say half the season. Right. It just doesn't have the impact
2: it should have. Yeah. I agree. It didn't work for me either. I thought, Yeah, I thought that they should have just left it with Pike. I don't know, doing one of those stare out the windows or something or having a conversation with Spock about his future. And that just would have been it. But, Mm. yeah, it didn't it didn't work for me either. I
3: liked it. I mean, I did like it. And I do like that she is basically the setup for a continuation for next season. I like Mm -hmm. that it ended with her getting arrested because that's that's I mean. The only thing that I really had a problem with is that it's way too similar to the way the last season of Lower Decks. That's
1: exactly what I was going to say. I laughed. <laughs> I was like, I was how like, are going to pull that planet this- too? <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
3: I was like, wait a minute. That's, I'd to that's about that. <laughs> yes, yeah, the same ending as the Lower Decks. <laughs>
4: <Right>. <laughs> I was oh, like, man.
3: come on, man. You've already pulled that stunt once. <laughs> this year. Twice It doesn't work. <laughs> But I did like, uh, the, you know, it. It makes me think that maybe we'll get more of her mm-hmm. next season, which I think right. we should have gotten more
1: of her this season. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. same here. Well, we want to transition over into talking about the season as a whole. Some overall sure. thoughts. How did the season work? Any favorite characters? Least favorite characters? What sure. worked? What didn't? Sure. Do we need to insert a break? Oh yeah. Well, let's take a quick break from a fellow ESO Network podcast show, and then when we come back, more Strange New Worlds. So stay right there.
0: here wish you could keep up on dc comics but don't have the time or the
3: money not a problem join cletus jacobs and i as we bring you recaps and commentary on dc comics television movies and more whether they are good or not the earth station dcu podcast comes out weekly and is part of the
4: eso network
1: All right, so now we are going to get into our season sort of in review of the first season of Star Trek Strange New World. So I guess first off, I mean, success, failure? What do you
2: think?
0: Super success.
2: Success. success. Yes. Uh, I it think exceeded so my expectations, actually. Yeah. For all the for all the things I keep complaining about or, or critiquing about it, it was better than I imagined because I honestly did come into the season not with lowered expectations. I did not bring my... Um, even though I talk about them a lot, I didn't bring my Abrams vs. New Track Writer Prejudice to it. I just right. literally didn't know. Like, I've, I haven't watched a single episode of the Ready Room or anything. Um, I don't even know the titles of the episodes until I turn on the television. <laughs> and so I came in completely blank and I was trying not to bring any biases to it and just said, let's see what a new track can be in that time period. Mm-hmm. And they succeeded better than I expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. all my complaints, I'd give it, obviously, I give it easy eight, eight and a half out of 10 for first yeah. season yeah yeah and i think it's pretty
1: striking that like for years and years i mean i would have said the original series is the best first season i still say that but All right. but Definitely. there wasn't a lot of competition for that spot
4: yeah you know what i mean All but it seems right. like with these right. new
1: shows now it's well maybe lower decks maybe strange new worlds you know prodigy is getting pretty good like it's yeah there's a lot more competition with these new shows in the, in the mix now i think they're they're hitting it out of the park or at least hitting it stronger In season one than some of the other shows had. And I think that I mean with Strange New Worlds, my biggest criticism, I think, is that they're just leaning real hard on the original series. And I understand Mm. why. Yeah. I mean, I think they're doing a pretty good job of threading the needle of having their cake and eating it too. Like they're they they can do a recreation of amok time and make it a dream. They do a recreation of balance of terror and make it a flash of the future, you know, things like that. Yeah. But I I would really like to have seen more new things for Strange New Worlds more yep. new aliens, more new planets, more new mysteries, you know, to not just,
2: Hey, remember when?
1: You yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Hey, remember when?
2: yeah. It's funny you say that Charles. Cause one of my notes was, even though I'm liking this episode, this is reminding me of the new track movies where they promised they'd be original and then they brought <laughs> on back. <laughs> right. Um, so it wasn't bad, but wasn't my choice. Cause I'm like, yeah, I think one of the, one of the things Alan and I talk about so much is one of the reasons we love enterprise is even when you didn't love it, To see new aliens like the Zindi War, Mm -hmm. love it or not, that was new. Yeah, and and so I did want to see more of that. So I agree with you. I I get a little Mm -hmm. frustrated.
3: I think they I think they overstacked the deck with too many familiar characters or characters that were riffs on familiar characters like the Ortegas. Yeah, yeah.
4: Um,
3: and I'm I'm really afraid that with him or gone, we're going to get Scotty next next year, and that's going to be yet another one. And I just think we I wish we had done this with more original characters i mean you started out with pike and number one and spock Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. all you needed yes i mean i can kind of i'm i'm okay with them having brought in uhura because i really like what they've done with her character and setting her up for what we know she's going to become but you don't need any more than that right you know i just wish we what Mm -hmm. and i would have been okay so assuming that we're going to get OK, we've gotten uh, we're going into season five of Discovery now. So assuming we get at least five seasons of Strange New Worlds, bring these people in at some point. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to start us out with them, with that many of them.
4: Yeah.
2: Well, And also, Alan, they keep they keep calling the um, the transporter chief Kyle. Is that Kyle? Just recast as an Asian actor. And they also want to. Yeah. And they keep they call one of the women on the bridge Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. Mitchell? Mitchell? Um I I don't think
1: so. No. Um, Where did
2: they throw those names out though? You yeah, I mean?
1: but like um Una's last name is Chen Riley. So mm. they've got a little Riley in there too. I think they're just naming some doing some name dropping of characters that they really like, naming some of the new characters after them. That's wow. sort of what I think. Now, if Jenna but- Mitchell you know, get crosses the energy barrier and gets, possessed. you know, or when James <laughs> Kirk shows up and she says, Hey, remember that blonde lab technician that I met introduced you to, then yeah. I'll have a different opinion about that. I would, yeah. But I, For right now, what I'm thinking is that they're just borrowing names as an homage. Um, But I wouldn't, I mean, does not matter I, to me? It doesn't really matter if there's a, a Helmsman name or a, a nav, or I guess she's, what do they call it? Ops officer now named Mitchell on two yeah. different times on the enterprise, or if there's two different transporter chiefs with the last name, Kyle, I, I mean, I, 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 unless there's a, some kind of direct reference, I don't think that, I think it's sort of up to interpretation. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Speaking of Scotty, did we mention that we heard Scotty in the, um, in the yeah. Episode? We, yeah. <laughs> was
3: yeah, yeah, that yeah, that that just makes me think even more that we're going to get him next season. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh no, we can't. We uh, will though. <laughs> you know, we will. Yeah, I think this is a tough one. The the character that I thought I would like the least, I really like La'an. and that's, La'an. Mm, and that's so her. weird. It's so weird. <laughs> and I think, I think because with her, I was bringing a prejudice. I was like, oh, good god, con. Do we have to have a con? But her being a a con descendant, her being an augment or um, genetically engineered descendant, at least so far, wasn't her bigger story. Right. And yeah. That may be why she worked for me. I like yeah, her. That makes sense. I was surprised. Yeah. yeah. And Alan, what she said, I agree with. I had no idea how i I'd feel about Uhura. And I just love her character. I mm-hmm. think it worked. And Absolutely. I was like, ah, you hurry and call back. Blah, blah. She worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That that reminds me back to the episode when Laon showed up um in the transporter room and she ran up and hugged him and her hair was down and everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. What the heck happened to her? Like I was more confused about her <laughs> than like any of the other changes to <laughs>
2: the character. He was like, says, i like, oh, we hung 180 almost. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. It's like hmm. she relaxed and literally let her hair down.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that evolution. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Me too. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Me I too. don't. So I think it's, for me, my biggest, my three favorite, is kind of a tie across the board. It's Pike, um, Uhura, and Laon, yeah. which is weird. I don't dislike any character, but I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, piggyback on what Alan said. I don't dislike a single character. There's just some characters that were critically underused. I want to see more of, like Ortegas. Oh yeah, uh-huh. can't say Himmler anymore. Hemmer. <laughs> yeah, Hemmer. Yeah, keep, yeah, you're right. I did it. Oh, I did it, right? oh shit. <laughs> Nazi drinking game. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, Hemmer and Ortega. I think were very underused right i would love to have seen more of them uh i thought um una was underused and i don't know what oh yeah like my my speculation i don't know have anything to back this up was maybe they had to make a deal with rebecca romaine for the amount of time she could spend in toronto (laughs) that's exactly what what i was wondering yeah because i mean i think they live in california and she's got kids and so maybe that was part of the negotiation so and and jerry's got his job right i think too and they're hosting other things and you know like not everybody can just uproot and move to Toronto. for Right. A time. So I may, maybe that's the reason. That's exactly what I was wondering if yeah. I was watching it tonight. Right. Me too. Yeah. Um, and it's fine. I think what they're doing with her, I've enjoyed. Me too. Yeah. yeah me too. I, I will say that I, I like Spock and Pring more than I expected to. Mm. I never I never yeah, thought too. that I would see this much of Spock and Pring. And I never <laughs> thought I would learn this much about Spock's sex life. But <laughs> I could have right. done with a bit less of that and a bit more of Ortegas number one. No,
3: yeah. I agree. Uh, I agree.
2: Yeah, agree. Same so, here.
1: Even though, even
3: though I've already done my complaining about there's too many familiar characters stacked into this one deck, I love all of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: So I, I really loved Jess Bush. I think she's been fantastic, and seeing a different angle on Chapel has been a lot of fun. Um, I, I think the only one that I'm really not as jazzed about is um Thank you. Yeah. How did you know that's where I was going? Because I agree. Is
1: we just don't I see, the same thing. we just don't see much of him. And what we do see of him, I mean he got tied up in that storyline with his kid, which just did not work for me. Yeah, right. Like it's it's irresponsible to keep your kid in the transporter beam. Like yeah. well, I mean you live in an era where there is cryogenics and things like that. Mm. Um yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? And and the fact that they, they introduced it, it was there for an episode or two, and then it was just very quickly resolved when he fed his kid to that space brain. That, <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, right. and, and like there was little hints that he's keeping a secret. People may find out. No, there's no secret. People may find out. It's just going to be over soon. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, right. Um that and I was actually, that I didn't care for.
3: Yeah, when they, when they first were doing cast announcements, I was kind of excited about Mbinga being in, yeah. in this show. Yeah. Because I was like, he was only hey, ever in. Getting-
0: get something from him
3: yeah yeah he was only ever in two episodes and and not a major player in either of those two and i thought well this is really cool we're gonna see more of a underused character as opposed to seeing more of chapel or more of right or whatever and i i don't know i just haven't really enjoyed it that much like i don't care if he's on the screen or not yeah
1: i haven't really felt his i mean the big thing with star trek characters is the relationships Mm -hmm. exactly you know what i mean i haven't really got invested in any relationships i I thought that he was basically going to sort of be the replacement for Boyce, where he would be sort sure. of a sounding board for the captain. Maybe he and the captain right. are old friends. Or, I mean, we know that Mbenga interned on Vulcan. He could have had a, a unique relationship with Spock because he lived on Vulcan for a time. Mm-hmm. And right. maybe he had some extra insights into Spock to Pring. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things they could have done with him. I well, think they, they kind of wasted time with this.
3: Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's so interesting, though, because we do know that he and Pike have a relationship that goes back they've mentioned it once yeah they meant exactly they mentioned it one time yeah so we know it's there so it's there to be built on yeah and nothing's nothing's been done with it
1: no i mean i would have loved to seen like the i mean like the famous pike voice scene from the yeah. pilot you know yeah. like that's one of the great scenes that's like an
2: incredibly memorable scene right like i mean, I mean headquarters and, yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah saying like Pike goes, "What the devil are you putting in their ice?" He was making him a martini. Yeah. While he was. Like, nap- that's <laughs> a great introduction to a character. That scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um,
4: great-
2: they have said
3: that in season two, we're going to see more of the bond between Pike and Ortega's. Okay. So step one, show us that they have a bond.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, they have a good sort of repartee on the bridge, but I wouldn't exactly. But that's just officer to officer, right? Yeah. And, and he was a test pilot, he said, when he was young. He said that on yeah. Discovery. So I could see why he would sort of have a special relationship with the pilot. You know, especially sure. if she's a hotshot pilot, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I I would like to see more of that. Um, I thought that Hemmer was just wasted. Totally. Yeah.
4: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I know that I've been on the record on this podcast before complaining about how long some of the Star Trek uh, storylines have taken to pay off. I mm-hmm. get tired of waiting and hurry it up mm-hmm. and move it along. But I'm the opposite on this show. I think that they're going by too quick. Like, you introduce yeah. it, and it's over. You introduce it, and then it's over. Like, I, I barely felt like I got to know Hemmer. He got one, like, when he was in that fairy tale episode, and I was like, oh, good, Hemmer's getting some scenes. Yeah. The next episode, he, great. he committed suicide off the yeah. back of the ship. You know, like, it's <laughs> like, right. like it, I don't know. I just feel like there's a middle ground you can find somewhere.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that, too. It's like they, they want to be episodic, but they're still trying to work in the character arc stuff. And I don't know.
0: It's not working the way.
3: Yeah, just be strictly episodic. I, I'm, I'll i be totally yeah. fine with that.
1: Or, I mean, get, get this. If the show's going to go more than one season, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to wrap everything up by the end of the season. Nope. Right. But you, you don't have to introduce him or, and then tell his story and him be gone or introduce... Um, Benga's daughter and yeah. resolve that by 10 episodes. If right. the show's gonna go more than 10 episodes, just keep 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 building the story.
2: Yeah. Right, right. right on. I agree. I hope they get I hope they get that a little um. I think that I hope they strike a little better balance there. Cause I, I do still sometimes feel that they're they're they rush too much to hit you over the head emotionally. They they like, we really want this to pay off. And so um I agree with the whole thing with Mabinga because I I could almost see them in a writer's room going, man, we're gonna write. Really emotionally resonant thing where Bing is going to give his daughter up, but as you say, after just a couple episodes, <laughs> like, uh, okay, Uh, okay,
0: and and then it was, gone. <laughs> yeah. and then it was yeah. gone.
2: by.
1: In season three, that might have hit you hard. Yeah. Yes, Absolutely. Right. You know, the the third episode she was in, it doesn't really hit mm-hmm. you hard. You're like, I thought the last time he said that he had some hope from the torture planet. Yeah. Like they gave it. The guy gave him some clues. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's yeah, no yeah. like working on the clues. It's just never mind. You know.
2: Never mind. So, so, it sounds like none of us actively disliked a single character, right? we was just yeah. more like they, yeah. I, there's nobody I, I dislike. They, no acting I dislike.
3: Yeah, I just don't feel like they've given us enough to invest in all of the characters yet.
2: Yeah, right. yeah. but I yeah. like them all. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I think it's a really good crew. I think it's a really it good is. show. I think yeah. it's mm-hmm. probably, I mean, the best live action season one they've done since I don't know DS nine. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's a strong show and. Yeah. And they're going for the crowd pleasing show, which I think is a smart move to make. Yeah. Like yeah. Love or Hate Discovery, it's not a crowd pleasing show. It's a, yes. it's, a de- it's a divisive show because they yeah, take a yeah. lot of chances. Yeah. They don't just All bring right. in Klingons, they bring in like the wildest Klingons you've ever seen. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like they, they do that kind of stuff on that show.
3: But it's interesting that they launched their whole entire new Trekverse with a divisive show, with I a know. show that they they didn't swing for the Strange New Worlds formula for the first one out of the gate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like there would have been more people on board with Discovery had they had this show first, even though this was a basically a spinoff of Discovery.
1: Yeah, right. Well, exactly. It definitely was a spinoff of Discovery.
2: Right. Right. Okay,
3: so let's let's talk about that really quickly, even though this doesn't really factor too much into the season one. Well, it kind of does. Thinking back on Disco season two, Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. do you think Pike compares from what we saw there to what we see now? Because I'm, I'm going to be totally honest. I love Pike. He's mm-hmm. one of my favorite characters, but I think I really liked him a lot more in Disco Season 2 than I have this year. Why is that? I don't know. I can't figure it out. I think I need to go back and watch Disco Season 2 again to, to like nail it down. But he like blew my socks off the first time I saw it. Like, every episode, he was so great. Like I just mm-hmm. feel like he's not as decisive this season or not as commanding this season. Well, or they, maybe
0: it's just in contrast to everyone else. Well, <laughs> He's yeah. literally, he was literally the brightest thing on the set.
1: Yeah, I mean, when, <laughs> and, when, yeah. when Discovery season two started and Pike came in, and I like tapped Vronk, and I was like, "There's a Star Trek character on this show."
0: Exactly, <laughs> so, like yeah. a Star
1: Trek yeah. character just walked into a different show. That is you know? very, very true. So yeah. I think that contrast helped him a lot. Yeah, agreed. But also that the his story arc this season has been one of very much of self doubt. Yeah. So that may be also why he's coming across as less decisive is that he's very much in doubt about sort of what he's been going through this year. Yeah. That's, that's possible. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. I think for me, Alan, I think it's, and I think that's an interesting point you make. I think for me, um, Pike was more, you're right. He was more commanding in season two of discovery. And as much as I love the fact that they're showing that he's a human being, because I love the fact that like Cisco cooked in his quarters and stuff. Right. Sometimes I think with all the cooking the eggs and the pasta and all the, too the joke, yeah. And and he and there's one thing to have a sense of humor, but the quirks with him and Artegas, they're just a little bit too much for me. So it's almost to me is that they've overcompensated. They swung a little bit on the other side of the show that Pike is a really cool kind of guy mm. and he's less a captain than he is uh, in this. To me, he's been less a, a captain presence than a kind of a cool kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I want to swing I back just a little bit, just a little bit more the other way. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I, that's what I didn't see. He wasn't as commanding as I wanted.
3: There was a nice moment in tonight's episode where he Called out Ortega's for yeah. back talking him, mm-hmm. and that's him. <laughs> that, I mean, that was that was good. I, I yeah, enjoyed yeah. seeing that.
4: But. Yeah,
1: that's right. And like, I, I like the captain be a cool guy. Um, I also like the captain when he shuts you down. He shuts you down. Yeah, right. Right I mean, Kirk was good at that. Cisco was good at that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, like these these are guys. Like when it comes down to it, I'm the boss. Exactly you're you're going right. to do what I say, or you're going to get off the bridge. <laughs> you right. know, exactly. Right.
2: Yeah, that may be what you're sensing because I—it's so funny you said that, Alan. I've been thinking that since probably like episode four. And again, it's not bad, but I just thought, huh? He's just a little too lighthearted for me. Sometimes he—he's joking just a little bit too much. Um, Doesn't make him a bad character, but I did want to see a little bit more of that. And it will be interesting now that he seems to have resolved whatever this stuff is about knowing his future. I wonder if they're going to get him back to that a little bit more next season. Yeah. 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 Same here. So favorite episodes?
0: I really like the fairy tale one.
2: Okay. <laughs> my okay, that's my least favorite. You're right. <laughs> right. Which <laughs> is funny, which is cool. We discovered that in the
3: first three seconds of our review <laughs> of it.
2: Oh boy, yeah. Wow. Um I I like the one, and I don't know episode names, but I do like the one when they were chasing the Gorn, the whole thing in the cloud when they first encountered yeah. them. Yeah, that, that, that was so
1: yeah. good. That, that was good. It's tied yeah. for me. That one's called Memento Mori, and it's yeah, tied it right. for me with Children of the Comet. I loved those yeah, two episodes. I thought the Strange New Worlds the first few episodes they were just knocking mm-hmm. absolutely. absolutely. Out of the park yeah. Every yeah. week. man, I they agree. were like
3: we are going to be the Star Trekiest Star Trek you've ever seen, <laughs> and they and they did it successfully.
4: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, those will be my two
3: favorite as well. Yeah, with uh, you, Alan? Oh uh, uh, God, probably those same two. Okay, <laughs> I, I really, really loved them. Um, the fairy tale episode was pretty good, and the 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 child torture episode. <laughs> I need to see again because it was so heavy. Yeah, but and and I thought it was really good.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I just I just think I need to watch it again to to like give it a new evaluation. But I, I think those three are my are my
1: top picks. And what about Lee's favorite?
2: Mm. Oh, I did mine. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs>
1: I'll say, and I almost picked the fairy tale one, uh-huh, but yeah. I think because I had to think about which episode I couldn't remember. And uh-huh. so it's going to be Spock amok will be the one that I just, Mm. have to stop and think about what even happened in that episode. That was the one the romantic comedy where they do the body swap and everything. I thought, yeah, I thought yeah. that was just kind of a forgettable episode. At least at least with the fairy tale one, I can get mad every time when he feeds his daughter to that space brain. <laughs> 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 but that, the Spock amuck just sort of left me cold.
2: Hmm. I agree with you there. I often say there are movies and TV shows in science fiction sci-fi. I know we're all this way. There if if there's like a science fiction movie that I've only seen once in my life. I pretty much hate it because I can watch pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. If you can barely remember it, that's kind of bad. Because like, you know, Fox brain. We, we <laughs> right. Or like, that. If you can mention a movie and then I'll spend an
1: hour angrily telling you why it's terrible. Like that, that at least is getting an emotional reaction yeah. from me. You know, I've started. Right, right. right. You know? <laughs> right.
0: I don't think I have a least favorite. No? No. Well, that's good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed all of them a oh, lot. Good.
3: I did too. And and I think that one, one that I didn't mention is Ghost of Valyria. I, I mm-hmm. did enjoy that.
2: Uh, um about
3: that um yeah so i don't know that i i I wouldn't even i I, if i had to pick a least favorite it would probably be the fairy tale
0: i I had not thought of that one like chuck had mentioned that was the one he had to uh, the one that his he his least favorite pick was one he had to really think about and i the one he picked was not one i had to think about i remember that one because i i I like rom-coms and it was hilarious right so i i think maybe the Illyria one yeah. then might be my least favorite. Mm. Also, the last Gorn one, but that was mainly because him the aliens
3: the one. Yeah, all those who wonder.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's
3: probably going to be toward the bottom of my ranking yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, I think so,
2: too. Same here.
1: And mainly for one, Hammer. I mean, I kind of like the Gorn. I'd have loved to have seen, the, bring the Gorn back and make the Gorn cool, this sort of bipedal intelligent yeah. lizard species instead yeah. of just turning them into xenomorphs, yeah, which yeah, did make right. a lot of sense to me, and it's hard to reconcile the two. Right. Yeah. So, Here's the thing about the this whole season. We
3: were told early on that we were going to get Spock's full unpronounceable name, Mm-mm. even if it's just in written somewhere, like in text. Did we ever see that anywhere?
2: No, I didn't. What the
1: heck? We did get Embenga's name, and it was and it was different from the one that was on the poster. The one that was on the poster ah. was Jabalo which I believe is a Nigerian word for doctor or healer, oh. if I'm remembering correctly, because it was from the Star Trek books. The more um, I think it was uh-huh. uh, it was from the more recent Star Trek books. Okay. Um, whereas the one they went with was Joseph, which was an unused name. I, I want to say it was mm. from like an original script or something. But so they called him Joseph, which I actually prefer Jabilo. I'm not sure if I'm saying it pronounced. It. You know, it sounds like it'd be from where he's from. Yeah. you know what i mean instead yeah. of a western name which seems a little bit strange to me but right. they, they do that quite a bit though give folks like european sounding names um mm-hmm. i don't know why but um <laughs> but we when that when that controversy happened controversy when it happened <laughs> with the posters and we all said what are they gonna be different names yeah and yeah i guess so so i, I don't guess. know what spock's first name is going to be I, mean, yeah. I guess it was just a rogue posterer I
3: guess. But that's just so random. That's even more random that somebody produced rogue posters <laughs> and got them displayed at this massive convention before anybody noticed and took them down. That's just unbelievable.
0: They're like, ha ha, I fooled you all.
1: Exactly. And he's just some Pulse nerd Pulse. who's like, I get to make the poster. I'm naming Spock.
3: Right. <laughs> 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 Because Fox just five letters. That's not enough to fill that space. We need more. I'm
1: an artiste.
2: <laughs> um, weird question is there um is there a scene or moment from the entire series that stood out for you that just, mm. just made you go like, wow, or that's Pike, or that's this show, or anything like that that you know, that just kind of mm. said that represented the show. The best
1: moment for me on the entire first season was Uhura singing to that comet
0: oh yeah Yeah.
2: that's a good one Mm. for me it's incredibly obvious but the scene that for me kind of represented the show and then i thought that was cool was when pike pulled the enterprise down to the planet in Mm. the very first episode that was a good sequence and just and it was because it was it was maybe not Kirk's level of cowboy diplomacy but <laughs> it was a, it was in a cool move it was it was that balance that all the captains have to walk between prime directive and mm-hmm. doing what they think is right and pulling the ship down and showing it that's a scene that stays with me yeah uh, that was probably my scene of the se- the season how about you Veronica
0: I don't know that I have a specific scene
2: nothing that a stayed with you that says this is this character or other than him or, him or yeah, him or, yeah. That stays with me, too, because I, I remember looking at my notes going, yeah, he's he's not dead. Um, <laughs> how about you, Alan? You have one either?
3: No, I can't think of anything. So maybe nothing stood out. I mean, everything stood out. Yeah. yeah That's the problem. That's the problem. There was so I, much I, stand I out, and You're it. like,
0: did yeah. one stand out more than the others? <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed everything.
3: So yeah it's hard to say that there's one thing that, that really stood out. Mm. Yeah, it's good. I'm sure something will come to me after we finish recording. Of course. yeah. That's how it goes. Right. Okay. Do we want to do a question of the week this week? Sure. Okay. So, our question of the week comes from Bobby Nash, and he is a regular listener. Bobby
0: Nash. Yay. Hi, Bobby.
3: And a very successful author. Yes. And so, it's no surprise that this question would come from him. He wants to know what has been your favorite Star Trek series to follow in other media, media other than television? Mm. Does
2: that include movies and stuff?
3: Well, I think you're yeah. talking about tie-in fiction. Yeah, like like, like comics or novels yeah. or
1: Oh. I was that playing kind of
0: um not I think it was Star Trek timelines. Okay. For a while where okay. it was like all these different timelines and so the all the, there was like different versions of all the characters and and there was like an actual storyline going on there about that. Mm-hmm. They would add to and and expand upon the universe. So that's really the only one I've experienced because I haven't read it, any of the books.
1: <laughs> I'm going to cheat and give two answers. Okay. And I'm going to say that, for one, um, my my all-time favorite from the time I was a kid was the original series, the books, mm-hmm. because, I mean, from the 1960s until today, they've been doing Star Trek books that are just new adventures of Kirk and Spock in the Enterprise. Right. And they're still doing that now. And it's just that, I mean, as long as there's been Star Trek, there's been these ongoing extra adventures. And I don't know how many thousands of adventures they've had out there in in the multiverse of of kirk spock and the enterprise but (laughs) i want to piggyback back that and say i think the the richest um the 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 show the richest life in the books is deep space nine Mm. Because deep space nine is its own world i mean there's there's a series of novels about the occupation of bayshore there's the millennium series there's there's a novel that you remember that you remember that cardassian kid that was raised by a Bajoran and had to eventually get sent back with his Cardassian father at the yep. end of the episode yeah. early in DS9. There's a series called The Neverending Sacrifice that follows him through the rest of the the events that happen in DS9 of the Cardassia joining the Dominion and the Dominion War and turning against it and it just follows his
2: life that's he hated himself really cool. right he hated his race his right exactly race. right okay. yeah and it okay. just
1: treats him as a, as a central character there's a there's a there's a, a novel that's just garrick telling his life story mm-hmm. to bashir mm-hmm. uh, written i mean by written, written by, oh, yes. written by, by robinson. andrew robinson yes <laughs> of course and so, i mean ds9 is just its own world inside the star trek universe and yeah. it lends itself so well to books so those are my
2: uh, two answers. There is a series in DS9. Awesome. I got to add that to my reading list then because I haven't read any DS9 novels. Oh, uh, for so me, uh, I, I had to be incredibly typical. I have I've read a decent number of Star Trek books, but the most I've read were the adaptations of the animated series. OK, and Ooh. I love those because the animated series I still think is great. I mm-hmm. still think holds up. But the expansions, especially, of course, you know, Alan Dean Foster, the expansions they did in those books are really great. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially ones like the Lorelei Signal, where where Uhura took command of the ship, Yeah, Um, the uh, Infinite Vulcan. Mm -hmm. There's so much more detail in there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think for me, those, I read those as a child and I love those books. Mm -hmm. So
3: you remember the novels, they did like a, it was like a mini series every Mm -hmm. year where it was like a crossover between all four of the Existing properties. Do mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you remember those? Yeah, like and, invasion. And the, yeah, and and the covers would fit together to form one big picture. Yeah, so I I really I really
0: li- we literally it. have them. I have one that I can of
3: reach. Of course, you do. <laughs>
0: yes, I still have some within of them. arm's reach.
3: <laughs> right, <laughs> I enjoyed those a lot, um, and I read some of the 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 early next gen tie in novels, and I remember one. That was, I think it was one that was set on the planet that Tasha Yar grew up on with the rape gangs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That was really good. I think my favorite novel series, though, is New Frontier. Mm. I love New Frontier. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's a mix of like new characters and existing characters from different places. So you had uh, a, a captain called Mackenzie Calhoun, who was from a race called the Xenexians, you had Commander Shelby. You had Doctor Salar, Robin Leffler, but then you also had this character called Burgoyne One Seven Two, who <laughs> was a hermat. Mm-hmm. Is the name of their species, and they're hermaphroditic. Um, who else? Oh, there was a there was a um, a Bricar, mm-hmm. and I just love that series. I didn't. I think there's like twenty something novels, and I didn't read all of those. I m- did maybe the first, I don't know, ten or so, but I loved them. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to see that. Uh, either adapted as a television series or uh big finish who is one of the biggest uh, creators of radio audio drama has done a couple of star Trek adaptations um, of novels. So it's basically a single reader, you know, doing an audio book kind of um, I would love to see new frontier adapted into some other, whether it be animated or, into an audio adventure or something. I, I would just love to see something more done with it. I loved mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I, I did too. And I mean, that was like a new, new Star Trek show back when it came out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So thanks Bobby Nash for sending us a great question of the week. If anybody else would like to send us a question of the week, you can email us at earthstation, at gmail.com, or you can post it on our Facebook group or our Twitter or any place that you find our episodes going out. Just leave a comment (laughs) and ask us some random question. (laughs) All right, Alan, where can people find more of you? Well, I have another podcast called modern musicology and we just did an interview with an author of lots of different music bios. And he's talking about hanging out with REM and interviewing Paul McCartney. And it was just a great interview. And I can't wait for that one to go out. And we're going to be recording a Kate Bush show coming up very soon. Mm. And
2: how about you, Keith? Find me on the standard social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook.
1: How about us, Veronica?
0: Feltlerdy.com. And? Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. And we have a very exciting guest coming soon that I'm not going to announce here.
4: Nope. Nope. But
0: but that means you need to listen.
3: (laughs) They'll tell me as soon as we finish recording. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, so I want to I want to also announce that we have another live show coming up. We've done a, a few of these uh, ones that are go out on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel as a live thing that audience can interact with, and we've we've done that a few times and always had a really great time with it. And we're going to be doing another one of those coming up uh, this Thursday at eight p.m. the fourteenth. And what we're going to do is a wrap up of the whole past year of Star Trek, Mm -hmm. where we've had five different Star Trek series that have all like basically an unbroken chain of Star Trek for that has gone back for a year. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have a basically we're going to review that entire year, talk about our favorites, our least favorites, some highlights, some lowlights and get feedback from the audience. So if you have questions or comments or want to pitch whatever your favorite episode or series was. Join in the conversation. So find us on our Facebook group or our YouTube channel, Thursday the 14th at 8 p.m. Yep. See you there.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Correct.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating.
0: or by shopping at the Tea Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station
2: for all things geek.